Hey there, friend Aroonies. Today we have a collection of creepypasta slash scary stories that have been mostly submitted to me, but also one from the wiki. I'm going to say really quick that these are some strange stories. This whole collection was kind of just a bit weird, and I think that's why I wanted to put them together myself. <laughs> so, yeah. Enjoy the collection, and uh, hope you all have a beautiful Saturday. And enjoy. The Last One Standing by Amy Smith This will be the last time that I write. I have no idea how much longer I can focus, how much longer I can stove off the shakes, the pangs, the overwhelming sadness, how much longer I can escape what I can no longer ignore, my end. To clarify the last months, the last few agonizingly terrifying lonely months, dragging endlessly through time and space at what feels like a rate of one year per millisecond, have been the true representation of hell. I never thought it actually existed, that it was merely a spiritual idiom that was designed to strike fear-based good behavior into the hearts of the people that no longer breathe freely. A construct. I was so wrong. There are no frightening, menacing, demonic presences, no ironic punishments for past transgressions, no pits of sulfuric heat, no flames, no pain beyond comprehension or sedation, no petrifyingly horrendous overlord to strike dead into the soul that is now and forever their property. There is, in short, just nothing. I remember reading once long ago in a children's story, of all things, of a pit. No, that would give it too physical a presence, make it too comfortably definable. No, a pestilential spread of nothingness, so great that it could devour whole worlds. I was scared that it could actually happen. Once absorbed by this nothingness, you were transported into a state of fiction. You weren't real anymore, nor were you gone. You were a lie. I was worried that this could actually happen. Lost nights wondering whether the once residents of previously destroyed other worlds were now adhering themselves to my inner being waiting to accept me into the fold of the eternally damned, a mere specter of humanity, neither existing nor not. We are lies. It's now far too late to say that we should have listened, far too gone to salvage. Our distant ancestors lived under a constant threat of total annihilation. But managed to survive in total ignorance. This ignorance went from our savior to our doom within about 10,000 years. We believed ourselves to be the masters of all creation, the be-all and the end-all, the alpha, the kings. Who were we? I use the terms we a lot, but who honestly were we? 
If fiction and science could combine so efficiently to spell our ruin and eradication, how could we not have noticed that the seas had started to boil, that the rainforests were gone, the ice caps had melted, once proud and numerous species of animals had fallen to our selfish need for more space and more invasive industry? Industry was no longer harmless cave paintings and groups of loosely human hunter-gatherers taking only what they needed to survive while coexisting relatively peacefully with what they found around them. It was progress. Or so they called it. It was our progress, alright. The slow, creeping process of our own self-destruct sequence. Not content to just end ourselves. We ended all around us until we entered this new phase. The revenge of the planet that we had treated so hideously poorly. So, you may believe my words, my predictions, my pronouncements to be grim rubbish. You may come to have interpreted my ramblings here as negative and impossible. You may be a denier of my fate. To you... I say hold your families and friends close. Losing them will be worse than the slow descent isolation takes through on your infernal journey into the realms of utter chaos and of madness. I can't remember my close ones, my real ones anymore. My dry lips speak names, utter shadows, shadows that were and will never be again. Phantoms that no longer wait for me on the other side because there is no longer another side to wait in. I am alone. We all are. The worst thing about all of this is the lack of a physical threat. The lack of anything to run from. To fight. Your fight is what lies within you. Within the people close to you. Within the strangers you pass all day, every day. The assailant lies within it is what is taught, is that the state of the present is not our problem, but the problem of the generations that will follow. Not our fault, but the fault of the generations that came before. We could have awoken. We could have seen the light. Paragons of resistance campaigners for the ultimate in truths existed. Even in the time before this. Was there actually a time before this, though? I struggle to remember as my hands succumb to the weakness of my body, the shudder irrepressible and omniscient, all-knowing and ever-present until the end comes to claim you, whatever that may be. It has come time to accept this turn of the wheel. Our planet is round, and so must be fate in the eyes of this living testament to what was, to what will never be again. We no longer breathe freely, because we have been rejected. Nature has reclaimed itself, has begun to rebuild in its own name, beholden to none but the wild beginnings. History repeats, they always said, how very right they were. But even they, with the issues they ignored in their own times, could never have suspected that we would be the orchestrators of our own extinction. Would create our way into the pits that only playing God while dismissing all warnings can produce. Those close ones, the real ones, 
no matter how woke, no matter how emotionally attached, can now no longer make their mark. Humanity will eventually be a greasy stain on the t-shirt of the universe. And once cleansed, we will never emerge again. Because we've outlived our usefulness. I'm convinced this all ends with me. Tears are beginning to blot my page as I urge my trembling hands to continue. The silence echoes as loudly as any concert you ever went to. Any thunderclap. Any huge tree falling in the woods. The sonic bomb of the close-to-departure date's soul is unnerving. All-encompassing silence. The multitude of actions we could have taken, not just with the environment we lived in, but amongst ourselves. Never was any other species that created so equally and were yet so far divided. So monumentally juxtaposed. We could have saved ourselves, you know, by the simple means of being willing to save all that lay around us, but such reflections are useless now. But still, you look away. The energy is leeching from me, back into the earth where it began. I am to be absorbed like all ahead of me. I doubt there is anyone to mourn because I am convinced that I am all that is left. My bodily power, such as it is, will be utilized in the most effective of ways, I am sure, reclaimed as was always possible but never foretold due to mankind's ignorance and avarice. The epitome of superiority complexes. And A was right to call this what he did, the nothing. I just don't think he ever realized just how prophetic his vision of destruction truly was. Furthermore, how man-made and preventable it all was. I crumble into nothingness, taking all that was the human race with me. The buildings have degenerated, been grown into and pulled apart like scissors tearing through paper. It has all been yanked to the ground with the fury, fired by the rage only centuries of dire abuse can conjure. Like into the nothing itself and assimilated. Nothing has been spared, be it religious or educational building, hospital or home. The atmosphere is breathable to all except humans. The species time has always wanted to conquer and forgot. There is no longer any home. I was. Scared? You should be. Fly on the Wall by Hopeless Night Owl from the Creepypasta Wiki. When I lived in my first apartment, one of my few possessions was a small television. This was before forced digitalization by the government, and the television only received a few channels. One channel, simply marked Component 1, caught my attention immediately. I don't know how or why, but this channel displayed security camera feed from some high school. In silent grayscale, the feed would cycle through different cameras around the building. At first, I thought the school might be the high school near my apartment. Though, having private televisions accidentally pick up the security feed seemed like something that 
should have been easily prevented by using a closed circuit. And it was especially confusing why it would show up on my TV's component channel. But certain camera feeds, especially from parking lots and outside of the building, made it clear that the school was not local. I never did figure out where the school was, but I developed a voyeuristic fascination for the feed. I understood the phenomenon of people watching. There is something strangely gripping about being a fly on the wall as people go about their daily lives, like you're stalking NPCs in a video game. Like I said, my television didn't get many channels, so I often had Component 1 running in the background while doing other things. One time, while I was watching the feed, an earthquake happened at the school. I didn't feel it, confirming that the school was not near me. The cameras shook, objects fell, and I saw students and staff running for shelter. The shaking stopped after a few moments, and... After a couple of minutes, the evacuation began. While everyone was filing into the hallways and leaving the building, there was an aftershock. The aftershock was worse. People were knocked down and ceilings in some rooms collapsed. Some cameras went dark. The aftershock ended and the evacuations continued, but sometimes I would catch a glimpse of someone who was injured and unable to move or unconscious. Some cameras that I was familiar with were now only recording a small corner of the room, having been knocked off-center by the quake. Smoke began filling several rooms and corridors, especially the cafeteria. Gas line rupture. One shot of the front parking lot showed smoke billowing out of the building. I could also see that cars had drifted and power lines had been knocked down. Horrified, I flipped through the other channels to find coverage of this event, but there was none. No breaking news, and even scheduled news programs said nothing about an earthquake or a school fire. I switched back to Component 1. By now, most cameras were completely filled with smoke. I saw first responders begin to enter the building and start pulling people out. I thought, maybe... I could help by showing someone the feed on my TV. I called the police, hoping they could contact emergency services wherever the school was in case their security feed was inaccessible, and, and they could use that information. The dispatcher was confused about what I was trying to convey, but two officers did come to visit me. While I was waiting for them to arrive, there was another tremor. I saw debris fall on top of first responders, and after a few seconds, the feed went entirely dark. The police? I thought I was playing a prank. They told me there were no reports of a major earthquake anywhere in North America, let alone a school disaster. I asked them to find out about the rest of the world. They checked, and told me there were no reports from anywhere else either. I never got back to the Component 1 feed, and to this day, I've been unable to find any reports of a school earthquake disaster from that day.
The Case for Time Travel, submitted by Elliot Stevens. A popular time travel hypothetical is, if you could go back in time and kill Hitler when he was a baby, would you do it? Well, if you did it, you'd now be the only person in the world who ever heard of Hitler, Nazis, or the World War II that we're all familiar with today. Because when you killed baby Hitler, well, you erased that history. Perhaps time travel does exist, and someone has already gone back and killed Hitler as an infant. But upon the Traveler's return to the present day, he discovered that his actions resulted in a world of unparalleled chaos that could only be undone by going back in time again and preventing himself from killing baby Hitler. Even though World War II was without question the most horrible event in human history, preventing it from happening would also undo our current society. For example, had Hitler died as an infant, Albert Einstein likely would have remained in Germany instead of moving to the United States and encouraging President Roosevelt to build a nuclear bomb. At the time, Japan was waging a savage war against China. As this war spread and began to threaten Europe, Einstein likely would have encouraged Germany or China to build the first nuclear bomb. Clearly, if and when time travel does become possible, only past events that are much, much worse than World War II should be undone. However, there is compelling evidence suggesting that just such a terrible event has already taken place and been undone by a time traveler. On March 1st, 1932, the 20-month-old son of American aviation hero Charles Lindbergh was kidnapped and murdered. The man they convicted and executed for this murder went to his death proclaiming his innocence. It is well known that Lindbergh held some very controversial political beliefs. He visited Nazi Germany several times in the late 1930s, praised their flagrant nationalism and racist ideologies, and even accepted a major award from Hitler's right-hand man, Hermann Göring. If the Lindbergh baby had not been killed and went on to live a natural lifespan, he no doubt would have been heavily influenced by his famous father's beliefs and other significant events that took place during his early years, such as World War II and the beginnings of the U.S. Civil Rights Movement. As the child of a politically vocal American hero, it's reasonable to surmise that Lindbergh Jr. would have had grandiose aspirations of his own, possibly political ones. It is also reasonable to assume that his political agenda would have leaned heavy towards nationalism and segregation. Lindbergh Jr. would have been 50 years old when the Carter administration ended, an administration that allowed America to be held hostage by a group of Middle Eastern students, an event which most Americans believe embarrassingly weakened their nation in the eyes of the world. In 1980, America was desperate for a strong Republican president who would rebuild the nation's strength and glory, and intimidate their enemies. Thus, Ronald Reagan was elected in a landslide, and fearing his wrath, the Middle Eastern students released the hostages on the very day he was sworn into office. Well, suppose Lindbergh Jr. had been a career politician, and in the 1980s, he had been elected president instead of the aged former movie actor Ronald Reagan. 
If the hostages had not been released, how might President Lindbergh Jr. have responded to this crisis? What effect would his segregationist views have had on his policies in an only recently desegregated home front? Perhaps a race war would have escalated into a new civil war that destroyed much of America's infrastructure and then divided the superpower into two or three smaller, separate, nuclear-armed nations. How would his fervent nationalism have played out during the peak of the Cold War, only five years after America's humiliating defeat in Vietnam? Perhaps a conflict with the Middle East would have erupted into an all-out global nuclear war that poisoned the atmosphere and brought all life on Earth to the brink of extinction. Perhaps all this did take place in another timeline that has since been erased by a time traveler who went back and killed Lindbergh Jr. when he was a baby. Just perhaps. Midnight Business, submitted by Nathan Banks. I've been working at a high-profile financial institution for six years. The company did some shady business deals, and my boss was trying to destroy evidence of any illegal activity. So, there was lots of deleting files, destroying hard drives, and shredding paper in our industrial-strength paper shredder. It's midnight. My boss and I were alone in the empty office. My boss said that we only had a few more papers to shred and then we would be done. Suddenly, the janitor rolls his trash cart into the room, blocking the exit. Then he starts telling me and my boss that he knows we're shredding paper to hide the illegal deals that we made, and he wants money right now. Or, he's going to call the cops and give them the evidence. My boss laughs at the janitor and tells him to screw off. Then the janitor pulls some papers out of his pocket. The janitor then laughs madly as he shouts to give him money right then. My boss tells the janitor that he will give him the money. He pulls out a thick stack of cash from his wallet. He holds out the money to the janitor, who moves the trash cart and walks over to my boss to take the money. Then, my boss grabs the janitor's arm and shoves his hand into the sharp blades of the paper shredder. The janitor starts screaming in pain as I jump back in shock. Then my boss shoves the janitor's face into the shredder that tears apart his nose, lips, and eyes. My boss keeps pushing more of the man into the bloody spinning blades until the janitor's whole body is butchered. Then, my boss looks over at me with a sinister stare, and he tells me that if I never tell anyone about what I just saw then I'll get a big raise and bonus. But if I do tell anyone, I'll be the next to go into the shredder. The next day at work, everything was back to normal. Plus, I got a bigger bank account. <laughs> we also got a new janitor that hopefully won't be greedy like the last one. So that was four creepypasta slash scary stories slash weird stories. Three submitted, one from the wiki. All of them, pretty interesting. Quite, uh, quite interesting. 
I hope you all enjoyed this collection. Of course I do. I hope you guys enjoy all my videos. I know that not every video I create is for everybody, and that's okay. Honestly. All I want to do is say that I hope that you guys enjoy what I make. Because I enjoy all of you. I love you guys. You're all amazing people. I don't know where I'm going with this. Anyways, I hope you all enjoyed. If you hit that thumbs up button, also subscribe to the channel if you're new. Uh, if you're not new, don't hit subscribe. If you're already subscribed, it'll unsubscribe you, and that's not a good thing to do. Anyways, if you want to support the channel further, leave me a comment letting me know what you thought on this video or my other videos or of me as a person. You can also join the channel memberships or go to patreon.com slash dreams and join there. For one meager dollar a month, you can get early access to my content. One dollar a month. You help the channel, get early access, and tell me that you really, really enjoy my stuff. That's... I mean, it, it just helps. It's obviously optional. It's always optional. But, greatly appreciated. All that said, friends, I hope you have a beautiful day. I hope I'll see you on the next one. But until then, sleep well.